this episode, we interview Nancy Meyer, CEO of Community Forklift, an organization that lifts up local communities by making repairs affordable, reducing waste, promoting reuse, and creating green jobs. All right, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Today we have Nancy Meyer, the CEO of Community Forklift. Nancy, thank you so much for your time today. Yes. Yeah, and I, I welcome your viewers and I welcome <laughs> you all uh, from, the, from the outer lands of Chicago to... Yeah. to um, Theater Beltway of DC. Absolutely. So we welcome you. We're really excited to be here today. Yes. And this is our second episode in DC. So, Nancy, what is Community Forklift? Yeah, Community Forklift. What is it? What is this strange beast we call, <laughs> we call the Reuse Center? Yeah. So, community, community Forklift is a nonprofit organization. Our focus is to divert gently and use materials, building mm -hmm. materials, furniture, tools all kinds of needed uh, critical items from the community to our facility where we redistribute them and they're either redistributed for free yep. or for below market, both to communities in need and also to anybody who just wants to shop here. Yeah. All right. Why you? Why you? What's your background? I mean, well, <laughs> I was born at a very young age. <laughs> then, then I found stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So... On one level, um, when I was a kid, actually, and where I grew up in New Jersey, there would be these junk days. Yeah. And I really think those junk days were kind of transformative in a way. It's like I could not figure out like why people buy stuff and then they put it out on the street for free. So that contradiction of like there's something here, there's something kind of magical in this situation where just having stuff and knowing you don't really need it or want it and sharing it with somebody else has always seemed to me... Um, an opportunity for engaging in some kind of community work. And so I actually worked doing a lot of nonprofit work for many years, but before I got there, I was trained as a carpenter. So I was in the Carpenters Union in DC. I was one of the first women to go through the apprenticeship program. I was in a DC union. Um, and so I learned a lot about materials. Then I had also worked doing nonprofit work. So I sort of had both skill sets. And when I heard about this place, it had already been, had opened, not long. I came and I said, you know, I've run nonprofits. I can really swing a hammer. Yeah. And I know what all this stuff is. I, I think I can help you. <laughs> well, I had no plan to be here, really. But I've been here 15 years now. <laughs> and so what I really, what really struck me, and so what I really started thinking about, because we were really evolving, mm -hmm. is the concept of an organization embedded organically in the work of the community to both create economic and environmental sustainability on the ground, mm -hmm. a place to bring people together to learn, for people to acquire materials, for people to grow together, both whether it's employment, we do workshops and events as well. So it really, it was acting as a really kind of holistic concept. It wasn't just like we're a charity, we're just gonna give people stuff. Yep. Um, what we're gonna act is like a kind of life center, a kind of creativity center of taking stuff, the oldest technology on the planet is reuse, the oldest green technology, and we're gonna employ that to an end of supporting community, developing creativity, making better jobs, diverting from the landfill, multiple uses that will enervate you know, communities. And that's really what it's about. It's a kind of community development that uses you know, economic development, environmental stewardship, community gathering, community connection to do the work that we do. Wow. 
There's so many things that I want to talk about about that. One of the things you said, this oldest technology is reuse. Where did that come from? That was kind of like a, a mind-blowing moment. How, how, would, how would you explain that? Well, it's like, we, I, think, I think we've kind of, um, we've sort of characterized things, you know, in a particular kind of way. But I think prior to the production, the intense production of commodities, People, you know, a lot of things were made in community or made by individuals. And so the kind of precious, the real preciousness of the planet and the materials were used over and over again. No one had stuff to throw. You weren't throwing things away. You didn't have, you know, low, poor made quality items yeah. that all of a sudden its use diminished because it doesn't, you know, you can't make toast with it anymore or, you know, you get a hole in your sock and you throw it away. Yeah. There was really a mindfulness of people living, you know, in, 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 in ecosystems together. And in a sense, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reinvigorate a concept of like what's really important in life, yeah. you know? And it's like we engage with stuff and we need the stuff, but the stuff shouldn't rule us. So the concept, so the idea of this, of this reuse is, is a model that really engages and appreciates creativity of like was it what goes into being a maker making things the production of things and, and respecting also that the virgin materials that they come from are limited we are living in a limited universe and it recognizes that you know and it also means taking the time to care for things it's like a beautiful dresser okay and maybe the wonderful thing about a place like this is you know okay you have a beautiful dresser that your grandmother you know, had, and it's familiar to you, it's sentimental to you, but you don't really like it. So in a place like this, you could bring it, and someone else who loves it yeah, yeah. will get it. And then you look for, oh my God, you know, that mid-century glass, beautiful, you know, desk I've always wanted, which is actually sitting over there, <laughs> which I saw the other day, yeah. um, is, is the thing I want. So it's like a sense, it's a really different sensibility. Um, quality of production of furniture now versus about 50 years ago. Do you see a difference? You said you're, you have expertise in carpentry, so I'm mm -hmm. sure you've seen all types of furniture. Do you see a difference in the quality of the production of things? And what, what would you think is the reason for that? I think profit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the bottom line is, is that over a period of time since basically, you know, this period from feudalism to capitalism, and the, the mass industrialization of commodities, the whole purpose of that was to make profit for an owner. And that's, that's really the bottom line. And so things are made, even some very high-end furniture that we get, and this was actually very shocking to see some of this stuff at first. I mean, there was one day a truck came in with two uh, side tables for a bedroom set. Mm -hmm. And it was, co it was covered with the nose things. They hadn't even pulled them off, you know, um, but they were like a particle board product. We looked them up. They were probably about a thirty-two or $3,500 item each. And particle board. And yeah. we, you know, we handle this stuff a lot. And yeah. I, and you could see, so because it had a brand name on it, yeah. Yeah. it was very nicely finished. But, it, you know, if, if you yeah. think about the real value, you know, the real value wasn't there. And, it, and in the old days, you know. Even 50 years ago, a lot of the, pro the production of the wood was actually with real pieces of wood. It wasn't, you know, you know, wasn't manufactured. Composite or manufactured. Composite wood, any kind of manufactured product was just chewed up, yeah. you know, glued together. And some of that glue was toxic. I mean, so there's, 
but it's cheaper. Yep. It's cheaper in labor, it's cheaper in materials. So, and so what value is there really in that stuff? Yeah. And it can't, a lot of it can't be reused either. But think about the kind of satisfaction that someone who makes that thing to begin mm -hmm. with, how wonderful that is that somebody to have that kind of opportunity. Now, what, what is your job? You glue laminate, you know, on top of, you know, yeah. particle board. That's yeah. your, that's what you do all day. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives an occasion to sort of mine these sort of, they're like an, an archaeology of reuse, you know, trying to understand the labor. Exactly, yep. Joe, the, those are the kind of questions you're asking me, you know. It be, once you begin to look at this, it gives you a kind of history of our social and economic system. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I want to get a little bit into the community. This is reuse as yeah. yes. political no, philosophy. This is, no, I love it. I love it. This is all educational for me, for sure. Um, I do feel like the quality of products now is different than some of the pieces that I've had from my grandparents. Absolutely. Um, the weight of it alone. Like you pick something up that's made now versus something that was made six years ago and you're going to need more than one person to lift it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like a sign itself. Exactly. Um, so you said the location of this reuse warehouse was very intentional. And we talked a little bit before the cameras were rolling about that intentionality. But could you talk a little bit about why this location and, and the community around that you're supporting? Yeah, so um, I wasn't here in the very, very initial part of the search, but I, I learned a lot about it. And it was a really, really wonderful choice because for, for a couple things. One, we're on a brownfield site. That brownfield site is a contaminated site. And so we are putting it to productive use. Oftentimes they're abandoned or truck parking, which really brings a lot of pollution. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, we're activating it for a very positive use. We're embedded in a low to moderate community right outside of Washington, DC. And so we are directly here with people. People can walk over here, mm -hmm. people can drive you know, a few blocks to get things that they need. And we, we provide a lot of support to local small business, a lot of small contracting businesses. So they can, can come in here and yeah. get you know, some electrical parts, instead of paying $4 a piece at the big box store, it's 25 cents. Yeah. We had, we used to have a display for how to renovate a bathroom for a hundred bucks. Wow. And so we showed like you need this many boxes of tile and a sink and a toilet all under a hundred dollars, wow. which means it's not just good for the person in the community who's right. doing it, but for the local contractor. They can pay a hundred bucks for the material mm -hmm. and then they can go to the homeowner and they can say, look, I can do this job in two days and it's going to be $500. Most of the funds will go to pay for their labor. Yep. Yep. So it gives them a boost in, in the value of their labor and it gives a person in the community a job at a really good price. So supporting small business, um, supporting people in the community, which in our community, often there's critical needs. For example, I think I was sharing with you, you know, we had two older women who had a house and the furnace went out. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to get them enough space heaters to help them uh, get by until yeah. they had a contractor come in. Um, we've built a laundry in one of the mill schools mm -hmm. for kids who needed to have their clothes washed. We have just numerous situations with people in the community who, for example, you know, had a heart attack, they go to the hospital, they come out and they have, don't have a working refrigerator and yeah. they have medica medication that needs to be refrigerated. And it's critical. Yeah. You know, I, we've had calls from people and they're trying to keep all their stuff in a bathtub in a, you know, in an ice chest, yeah. which Jeez. is, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And so it's one thing after another, stoves, refrigerators, summer in DC, it's pretty darn hot. 
air conditioners. Um, so we're trying to really grow this program a lot more. The need is really great. People are under intense economic stress. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been as much support in the public sector as we really need. So the private sector, like nonprofits like us, are really being called on to do this work. So wow. it's very important. It's being located in, I mean, in some ways, it's our, being inside the Beltway in the D.C. area is perfect because we both have access to folks who want to come and shop for some really funky light fixture. <laughs> but we also have somebody, you know, you know, Harry the painter down the street who was able to come in here and get below market product yeah. that he can, you know, make use of. So, so we, we, we talked about the, um, the community development that you're doing, uh, supporting local people, local businesses, also providing jobs, also the whole sustainability component of reducing the carbon footprint of whoever exactly. wants to, to be a part of this revolution that you all are, yes. are leading. Exactly. Um, I, I want to touch a little bit more before we move on to the sustainability component and carbon footprint component. Are y'all able to like track or measure the impact y'all are having in, in any of the areas? I feel like it'd be very hard. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, it, but is it, there like a carbon uh, weight to each item that's sold, and then that is kind of converted into what you would have, you know, impacted if you bought new or something? It's a really good question, and over time. I think there's been folks working on some different models of trying to figure out whether the volume of weight of a particular item right, right. would have a particular offset. What we have wanted to do would be, we would love to do, and we just really haven't had the wherewithal, is, so you, you go to the cash register and you buy something, and you can plug in, I walked here, I rode my bike here, I drove my little car here, and figure out what the carbon offset of your purchase is. Yeah. You know, as, as opposed to just your money exchange, yep. right? How fabulous would that be? So every time you come and you do something, you can see. It's more than just, yeah. Right, what your real contribution is. Yeah. Now, we did have somebody here, Some this was quite a long time ago, um, who's a professor, was a professor at Catholic University and mm -hmm. did a study here. I think what he determined, this was, like I said, a long time ago, that the sort of cumulative effect was about taking 550 cars off the road every year. That's it. Wow cumulative effect of the carbon offset that we're yeah. having. It's probably much more now because we've grown a lot. But Joseph, that's a really good, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it'd be really wonderful to really figure that, yeah. have yeah. that really a more robust kind of provision of that information. The common sense part of it, there's almost no one in a way who doesn't come in and say, oh my God, you know, all this stuff would be in the landfill. This is nuts. Yeah. And it's true. You know, it gives you this sense of how how much lunacy there is to this constant production and buying and making things when we probably really have everything we need if we just share it and move it around with each other. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so we're going to get a tour of the place. That'll be kind of part two of this interview. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about where you see the organization heading. Um, so we talked about kind of the history, what you're doing currently, the model. Uh, where do you see... The organization maybe five, 10, 15 years from now, another 15 years. <laughs> well, on, what, on the more immediate front, we're, we're dealing with the possibility of maybe having to move out of this site. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that is going to present a pretty big challenge to us. Mm -hmm. So it raises a question then of the real operating model of this. And the operating model is, like I was saying, it's sort of some organic being present in communities mm -hmm. to provide the services directly. But there's also an economic component that could be, you know, maybe there's a separated, we, a lot of what we have to do is process materials that come in. Yep. We also have a side gig that has to do with doing the online, selling things online that don't sell well here. Yep. 
um, or a specialty for, for someone in the community who might need just some very specialized item that we're looking for. So the future is really to build a bigger, using this as sort of a flagship, a base, right. and the concept to build much more of this, of like activity. So it could be a campus, it could be um, refurbishing an old shopping center where there's a flagship store and there's subsidiary. Like we have so much lighting here, we could probably have a whole separate store on lighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, like a lighting like, store, gotcha, 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 yeah. Exactly, we wanna have on site things like a maker space. Mm. So we can teach and work with people who both wanna do sort of environmental eco enterprise, but also an artist maybe who mm -hmm. wants to, you know, has an ID for a 3D presentation and also skill building. I mean, one of, the one of the mottos we say here is it's not about the stuff, it's really about the people. So how do you, but you use these bricks and mortar, you use these different um, kind of space making, place making um, activities to bring people in the community together. So you have maybe a marketplace. So the idea is to have a hub yeah. that generates um, lots of economic activity, uses reused materials to generate art. You have an art gallery. Yeah. So the idea is to really flesh this out and build a much more robust model. A hundred years from now, real sto stores, old school stores mm -hmm. with virgin materials, there's going to be very few. Correct. It's all going to be thrift. It has to be because we're running out of the stuff. Yep. We're running out of virgin materials in the world. And the cost of those virgin materials, like we know like with gas, we know with timber, we know there's a lot of products that the use cost is very high for us as a planet. Yeah. So that is where we're headed anyway. Wow. How do we make the most of that to build a much more economically just mm. society and community? Wow. <laughs> well, um, how can people learn more and get engaged? <laughs> we encourage everyone yeah. Um, yeah. to do something. So. We have a very robust social media presence. Mm -hmm. You can just put us in Google and our Instagram account and our Facebook account and our blog. Yeah. We have um, our marketing person who I know you all talk to, who's, the, I will say, the most fabulous marketing person. Yes. Um, and people, a lot of people know him. So you'll see we do a Facebook Live regularly yeah, about, yeah. about you guys should check that out. Yeah. So you can check out, call us, come in, talk to us. Um, we're very available. Come work with us. We're looking for staff. Um, come to, we'll be getting our events going again. Hopefully, we'll see what happens with the new variant, but hopefully yes. we'll, we'll be getting stuff going again. So it's about building community. So we really, really welcome everyone to come join us. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for your time and sitting down with us. Uh, people that are listening, uh, tune over to our video outlets to see this actual tour that we're going to go on right now. Um, but Nancy, really excited to see more about the space here in a, in a minute or so. And thank you for your time. And we're excited to share the work that you're doing and, and drive more engagement, awareness, and education. Yeah. Well, thank you all for the really important work you're doing. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So where are we right okay, now? Okay, so here, this is where, woohoo! This is where everyone comes in. Yeah. This is our front for the reception area. Kind of, if you can look around, you can see it's kind of fun. There's yeah. lots of interesting things to see. You can sort of get a sense of our ethos. You know, we had to find a way to tell, ask people to wear masks. And so, of course, we take this perspective of yeah. care um, with people. Um, 
this piece <laughs> is um, DC is known for its cherry festival every yeah. March and April. So the tray itself was put together by a design build company for Christmas wow. a couple of years ago. And there used to be a partridge on it, unless you put it inside. <laughs> Around Christmas time. So you might want to come yeah. over here and get the, you can see. The community forklift chair E tree. Yeah, yeah. So this is our chair E tree. <laughs> so they built the whole chair of um, these, the whole tree of these chairs. Yeah. And then those pink flowers mm -hmm. came from a company that regularly donates to us. Um, and all kinds of wacky material. Several <laughs> DC event companies donate material, yeah. which is really, really fun. And so they donated it was dozens and dozens of these flowers. Wow. And Scott spent all this time in meetings putting <laughs> oh out these gosh. together and then putting it up, which yeah. is just really brilliant. Wow. And you can see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and there he is. So... So we have a lot of specialty areas that help really kind of feature yep. some of the much more funky or interesting work. Um, this up here is a camp. We have a campaign that we just started, our spring campaign, which is called Pork and Amazing. And it sort of lists all the stuff we do, which is preserving materials, creating good jobs, conserving yeah. resources, providing mater materials to people, distributing free materials to other organizations, and fostering a sustainable and just community. This material comes from a small business we support that's local, that takes already felled trees and mills them, and then we resell them. So lots and lots of people come in here to purchase this material. So you can see here we have a whole specialty section on vintage door hardware. Lots of people, lots of funky stuff in here, both people who have vintage houses and crafters and all kinds of people come in here looking for that material. And you can see also, like, you know, just we just recently got, yesterday, I think, some new furniture, so some really nice pieces here. There's a mid-century table you're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, the desk is here, but there's several mid-century desks, a Danish desk in there, I'll show you that. Yeah. So there's some great, really great pieces. This is a really fabulous piece that one of our staff made. Oh, the door, yeah. It's actually, there's a headboard there, but it's a whole huge piece made just out of the um, discussion plates. Yep, yeah. Those are, I mean, come on now. That's pretty, <laughs> those are new, I think. That's pretty funky. <laughs> That's a vanity. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, and there's a DC subway. Yeah, yeah. If you're not sure what that's all about. Um, we have a lot of sort of already framed artwork. Um, these these came, I think they're um, they're storage lockers. So yeah. I mean everything wacky. Yeah. This stuff is so extra wood. Yeah, all kinds of incoming stuff. Furniture. They're just trying to figure out where did all this come from. This this was all Wakeif. Wow, a lot of stuff. So this is a really exquisite little women's dressing table. Yeah. So you know you got this and then you got that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, so this is where, at the moment, the um, the trucks come in here and they unload here every yep. day. Yep. So they go out twice a day and they come back in and whatever they've got, that's what gets dropped off. And it's yep. the biggest mishmash of everything you've ever seen. This looks like an Ethan Allen. <laughs> Are these light posts? What? what? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it came, that came from the one of the event companies. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I'll show you some other funky, some of that funky stuff. So let's go down, we'll go down this way. You can see the top of the Capitol poking out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah, the, the light pictures that we get are just sort of unbelievable. So we got, this is a specialty lighting section. Mm -hmm. Beautiful man, we get beautiful mantles. Yes. Sub-zero fridge. We get all kinds of appliances. Now here's your, here's your. What is, what is that? This is from one of the event companies. Is that for sale or is that just? That's all, everything, oh pretty much gosh. everything's for sale. We had a lot of stuff, for, it was very funky. Yeah. Like from like I guess somebody had like a carnival kind of thing. <laughs> like so a Renaissance we, fair. Or? Well, kind of like I don't know. It must have been like a some kind of European theme or something. Yeah. Because um, they had like tub, you know yeah. the the accordion Ubermeister. Yeah. yeah. Of some kind, but you can see so there's you know in this case there's um you know there's about we've had ten twenty of these very small. Um, electric stoves, which is really great for either for people with small units or apartments. Yeah. Sometimes in some cases, you know, we work with really the mom and pop landlords and support them. They're able yeah. to purchase this stuff. I think that's a picture from Reagan's inauguration. Oh my gosh. I think that's Reagan's. 10 feet tall. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where that came from, but very funky. Um, you can see, to, you know, toilets and fans. Kitchen cabinets. Ca there's all kinds of cabinets. Really, there's some really, really nice cabinet sets. Oh. Set of 18 cabinets. Yeah. Yeah, for $1,200. This, see if this is. Ah, so people look for this, especially this kind of simple, kind of shakerish yeah. style I stuff. I like the hardware. They're really cool handles. Yeah. And um, so we deal with a lot with tile. We get a lot of surplus tile. And like, for example, this, this is interesting concrete tile, which, which we had a lot of this. It is so fabulous and very unusual. Yeah. It's like this red. That red yeah. Red. Let's see. We'll go, we'll go around this way. Um, they told me we just got a really expensive cabinet set. I don't know which one it is. So if you just peer down here, that's our lighting workshop. Oh. So I have a staff person who's like a mechanical genius. Oh my gosh. And he's a master potter. That's his And layer. he does our IT. Oh my gosh. It's, the, it's amazing sometimes the, the skill sets that people have. So we thought we could manage, you know, the, the influx of lighting, but it's, it's inundated with these beautiful <laughs> chandeliers that he basically restores. Wow. It's really amazing. And then we have, we do some traditional housewares, not a lot, but mm -hmm. we, we get it anyway, so we put yeah. it out. 
And then, of course, you know, there's, you know, kind of historic building materials, balusters for steps and trim. We've got about 2,000 doors on the floor, stair parts like this. Yeah. You know, funky doors. And sometimes we get really, really fabulous doors. Hardwood, heavy duty. Heavy duty yeah, barn yeah. doors and all kinds of stuff. There's more tile here. You know, and that's another thing is for folks and for you, for you all and for other folks, it's like some of the product we get is so high end and so beautiful yeah. and we sell it so under market. You know, it's worth really looking at some of this stuff um, to see yeah. what's available and what might be worth shipping. That's a really nice dresser. Yeah, my partner was here one day and actually she found a really beautiful, I didn't, hadn't even seen it. We bought, she ended up buying it. I actually think it was underpriced, to tell you the truth. After she bought it, I said, oh, I have to go talk to the staff. I don't think they charge you enough for that. She was like, what? Um, this, is, um, this is where people drop the materials. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a mess, but it's like lots of, you want to see it? Sure. So you can just sort of get a sense of, we have very little staging space for yeah, doing this. Yeah, so yeah. the staff have to work very quickly. Yeah, the backlog on... The back, and this. you can see how much of it's lighting. Um, I don't know if that's ours or belongs to one of the staff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you'll see everything um, back here. And, every, you know, it's all day while we're open. You know, the stuff just flows in. Yeah. You know, so he's working on yard stuff. You know, clicks, you know, flooring. There's, you know, an old suitcase, windows, vanities. Wow. And I'll tell you what, the guy who, Ray, who runs this section back here, he runs actually the whole floor. He can, like, go through this in a couple, it's unbelievable. He knows, like, where, where things go. He can go through, yeah. like, this whole thing in a couple days. Wow. I mean, I'll come back here, it'll be empty. And wow. I'll just be like, you just blow my mind. <laughs> so... But so that's really nice. It's like you can just drop stuff off yeah. and take it. We also have the trucks that go out and pick stuff up. Yep. yep. Kind of almost inspires you to want to like completely remodel a place with yes. this, this material, right? <laughs> well, if you look at our website, there's a ton of examples of people who have done that. Yeah. And I have to say, even I who have worked here and have a backhand in art, it blows me away sometimes what I see people do. Yeah. Now, I don't know why these are covered. Maybe they're sharp? It's probably tile that they haven't priced yet. Okay. So they're waiting to have somebody price it. So, you know, we do standard stuff. There's electrical parts and plumbing parts and sinks and fans. Well, yeah. that's the other thing is the fans. <laughs> he was showing me some of these. are So, like, this is a very, very high-end fan. It's so funky. It's just one blade oh, and a funky. ballast on the other it's side. It's counterweighted or something, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. You don't you hardly, don't rarely see that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, and we'll get everything from, you know, a low-end $50 fan to like a $2,000 fan. And then this is kind of overflow furniture. What is that? A gray on the left? 
Yeah, I was looking at that too. I'm like, these are like, like doorknob handles. <laughs> huh. Plastic inserts. Interesting. It, I have to say, it kind of looks like it looks like just an upcycled. Somebody just spray painted. An, it. an yeah. old dresser that they upcycled. Yeah. With somebody's equipment inside. Oh. And this section just, you know, fills up, empties out, fills mm -hmm. up, empties out. All different kinds. We have a bunch of really cool, I think there's one left over there, cabinets from like a laboratory. <laughs> Andrew also sort of makes sure these, these beautiful old, old sewing machines. So this works. Wow. Um, it's an Art Deco. You can see the beautiful decorative yeah. work oh, on this yeah, you can. machine. The beautiful the black and then the silver and yep fabulous yeah we do you do yeah i think it still works yeah if a lot of these come from you know finally you know someone has downsized or what have you yeah and we'll get this stuff and sometimes it's just sat for years and so but like the mantles yep Oh, this is all wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us a tour. Happy to. Yeah. Happy to. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. Don't forget, for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are link trees in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.